You're listening to the Live Happier Longer podcast, episode 13. Welcome to the Live Happier Longer podcast. We're your hosts, Molly Watts and Angela McDade. We are here to help you build the habits of a happier, longer life, starting now. Hey, before we jump into this episode, we want to take a moment to talk to you about the Five for Life Planner. Yeah, not really more of a journal or even a diary. Well, you know, we called it the Five for Life Planner. That is true. There's not much we can do about that now, but I think it's still more of a journal. It's 13 weeks. It's undated. You can start anytime. Uh, yes, that's true. It's not your typical dated calendar type planner. But it's a really good tool for building the habits of a happier, longer life. Uh, that's, that's a good word for it. It's a tool. It's perfect for tracking all of those five daily actions. Yeah, there's a place to write things down for all five. Move, learn, share, give, and let go. So when you say write things down, it sounds more like a journal. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, we'll call it the Five for Life Journal. But for now, let's just tell people where they can buy one. Right. Go to shop.fiveforlife.co. That's shop.fiferlife.co. And enter promo code podcast at the checkout for a special discount. Hey, they're a great gift for your parents or your grandparents. And if it helps, just tell them it's a journal. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Go to shop.fiferlife.co to get your planner slash journal today. Hey, Angela, did you know that November is Diabetes Awareness Month? I did actually know that. Oh, well, I did yeah. not. Yeah, there's a few people I know who have diabetes in their life one way or another, uh, either a child or they have it. But also my sister Pauline just ran the Dublin Marathon mm. and her chosen charity this year was JDRF, which oh, is okay. the Diabetes yeah, the Foundation. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. Well, I too have people in my life. My brother-in-law has dealt with type 1 diabetes for most of his life, at least since he was in high school. He's in his 60s. And I've watched as technology has progressed in terms of curing or treating his disease, I should say. And I know that there have been some significant advances. We're going to talk yeah. a little bit more mm -hmm. about those today. But we were lucky to connect with Stacy Sims, mm -hmm. who has her own podcast called Diabetes Connections. And Stacy is a former news anchor, broadcaster, and was confronted with diabetes in her life with her child and really has turned into an advocate for yeah. diabetes and is really um, becoming well known in that community. Mm -hmm. We wanted to talk with her today because as we've done our research in terms of Pie for Life, we know that diabetes is definitely something that is a disease of aging in terms yeah. of uh, type 2 diabetes anyway. Mm -hmm. Although type 1 is not, it used to be considered a, a youth disease, but it actually is, older people get it as well. Well, yeah. So we're mm -hmm. going to talk and learn more about diabetes because it's super important. And given that it's Diabetes Awareness Month, yep. we thought this would be a good time to do it. So let's talk to Stacy Sims. Hi, Stacy. Hi, Stacy. Hey, how are you doing? We are great. Thank you. How about you? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, we're, yeah, we're delighted to have you. Yeah, absolutely. And super important. Um, the timing couldn't be better in terms of Diabetes Awareness Month here. 
And we just are super excited to talk with you, learn more and educate our audience more about diabetes. Well, thanks for the opportunity because boy, before diabetes was in my life, I knew very little about it. I, I think, you know, I think that there's a lot of misguided information. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. you know, true in most medical, uh, in a lot of medical situations, mm -hmm. right? But I mean, Angela was just... Uh, uh, mentioning, you know, that some people, they have this idea that, you know, you can get diabetes from drinking too much Coke yeah. or, you know, it's, taking it's, in too much sugar. Yeah. People are not aware that type one and type two diabetes are very different diseases as far as how it happens. So, uh, yeah, it's just, it's really interesting how, it, although a lot of people know, know diabetes and have heard about diabetes, what they actually know is is very little. Yeah. So tell us more about your background in terms of when diabetes came into your life, how it did, and how that manifested with the, the Diabetes Connection in, in your own podcast. Sure, thanks. Yeah, my son was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in 2006, so 12 years ago now, and it was right before he turned 2. So, you know, at that age, you're still measuring months, right? right. So he was 23 months old. Um, and he'd been not himself for a little while. Uh, he had just gone from this happy, you know, easy toddler to grumpy and not sleeping well and honestly peeing not only through his diaper, but like peeing through his mattress once or twice a month at night. I mean, it was crazy. And drinking all the time and losing a little bit of weight, which I hadn't actually noticed. He was 30 pounds at one visit and then he was 27 pounds when we brought him into the pediatrician. Mm -hmm. So I called my pediatrician and said, you know, I, I knew just enough. I was a, a health reporter uh, for television for a while and then for radio. And I knew just enough to think this kind of sounds like diabetes. And my pediatrician said, I've never seen it in somebody so young, but bring him in and we'll rule it out. And so I brought my toddler in and of course we ruled it in. And then we spent three days in the hospital learning how to manage. Wow. And at the time, just like you said, I really didn't know the difference, despite having done news stories on it. I remember researching for that story, writing the story, filing the story, and then moving on and thinking to myself, what's type one? What's type two? What's juvenile? What are we, what are yeah. we in for? Right. And so we really had to learn. Did you think, did you think at that point, what have I fed him? Or no, that, yeah, <laughs> A, what have I fed him? And B, did, can this, can this be cured? Like, did you think like, I mean, yeah. was this, will he outgrow it? Because I think. Yeah, I all of that. Things, right. The first thing is, oh my gosh, did I do this somehow? You know, we are a family that has always eaten everything in moderation. So my kids were not eating tons of junk food. You know, they weren't drinking soda, certainly. You know, I, I have a daughter who's three years older, so she was five at the time, but they weren't eating kale and apricots every day either. You know, we yeah. were, we were, you mean you were normal? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but luckily, we were in the hands of a very good pediatric endocrinologist and he told us a few things right off the bat that i think set us on a wonderful course uh, the first was your son is going to live the life that he was meant to live he is going to mm -hmm. live to old age this is manageable you're going to be okay mm -hmm. um, he also told us you did not cause this type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disease we don't know what happens we don't know just like any autoimmune disease we don't yeah. really know why it's triggered or how it's triggered and he really set us up for success right away so that was fantastic for yeah us. that's wonderful so yeah i know you mentioned to us a bit ago that it, it's an autoimmune disease and despite what people think 
when they think that of even type one diabetes, you can develop this at any age. It's not, yeah. just, it's not for yeah, kids. It's not juvenile as it was. One yeah, you know, yeah. Well, and let's back up for a second. Cause I know a lot of people are thinking on oh, juvenile type one, type two, like, uh, let's just define what we're talking about here. I think would be helpful. And that is, you know, everybody. And, and I've, I have talked about this to preschool classes, um, you know, since my son was tiny. And it's so funny because kids get it right away. Um, sometimes their parents are a little bit more difficult. But basically, <laughs> everybody needs insulin. People without diabetes make it. Don't think about it. But we all need insulin. Insulin is what breaks down our food into energy in very, very, very simple terms. So it takes the carbohydrates, the sugar, the glucose, breaks it down so our body can use it. If you don't have insulin or it's not working properly, that sugar and that glucose is circulating around your body. That's why they check to see if it's coming in your urine, if you're peeing it out. Because if that's happening, then your body's not processing it correctly. Mm -hmm. And if there's extra sugar in your body, it is extremely damaging to your vital organs to the point where you will die within weeks if it's not controlled for type 1 diabetes. So the real difference is people with type 1 diabetes do not produce insulin. There's some study now that might produce little amounts, maybe there's something going on, but for the, for the most part in layman's terms, you don't produce insulin, so you cannot break down the glucose in your food. You must inject or infuse insulin every day, several times a day, to try to mimic your pancreas. People with type 2 diabetes produce insulin, but their bodies don't process it correctly. Something's gone wrong in the way your body communicates about how this is supposed to happen. Exercise, sedentary lifestyle, these are factors, but genetics. And now some are saying even environmental factors mm -hmm. really contribute to this. So you can be at a healthy weight and still have type 2. and You can be mm -hmm. obese and sedentary and eat potato chips all day and not develop type 2. Oh, wow. And those are the main differences. And as you said... You can develop type 1 diabetes at any age. Half of all new cases are in adults. This is a very um, uh, often misdiagnosed thing that, you know, it's very confusing for a lot of people, including a lot of healthcare providers. Type 2 diabetes, they are seeing in younger people. Generally speaking, that was called adult onset diabetes. It is happening in younger people, but that's not something that usually happens in, let's just say, kids under 10. So with type 2 diabetes, this is not something that is typically managed with insulin. Is that right? Type two is more, it's managed in other ways? Well, you know, it's a great question because I think most people feel like when you get diagnosed with type two, you're supposed to diet and exercise your way back. And that can happen for a lot of people. You make lifestyle changes. It's often the first thing that many people will try. Mm -hmm. But I'll be honest with you, if it were that easy, we'd all be a size two. <laughs> you know, my husband has type two diabetes and his doctor told him, the first thing you need to do is get your blood sugar under control any way you can. It's very dangerous to have that elevated blood sugar. So take this, um, they started him on an oral medication. They do start some people on injectable insulin, usually not, mm -hmm. but it can happen. Get that blood sugar under control and then deal with what you believe to be the underlying issues. Some people can control type two with diet and exercise. Some people lose the weight, exercise every day, and they still need insulin, or there are newer medications that they're not insulin, they're, they're even injectables, mm -hmm. um, but they are there to help your body better manage the insulin, to make you less insulin resistant, that sort of thing. Mm. So I would say it's different for everybody. I mean, that's one of the weird things about diabetes. It really is different for every person. Mm -hmm. And that there's, you know, one of the things that we try to do 
on the show and, and in the community is to lessen the shame because a lot of people feel like if they need to take insulin with type two, they have failed. Mm, yeah. It's, it's just not the way it's a, it's a progressive disease shorts. It's always better for anything. If you can try to manage without medication, that's great. But you know, I don't think anybody feels bad about taking their cholesterol medication every day. Right. Yeah. Well, some reason think, we've attached this guilt to diabetes. Yeah, well, and I think it's because just like, you know, Angela mentioned, there's the one side with type 1 diabetes where people have misguided thoughts that you can cause it. Mm-hmm. With type 2, I think people, I mean, it's direct, right? They are told you, you know, there is something you have done that has caused mm-hmm. you to develop diabetes, your lack of... Um, exercise, you're being, you know, overweight, all of those things Mm -hmm. that you really have caused yourself to have diabetes. So there's immediate shame because it's like, oh, great. I've, you You know, did this to yourself. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I, yeah. Yeah. Well, my, you know, and I, 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 I always throw my husband under the bus. I'm sure he loves this, but you know, I give him as an example because everybody in his mother's side of the family has diabetes, has type two. Mm -hmm. It's really almost everybody in that family. Mm-hmm. And he knew it was coming. You know, he was always tested. He was diagnosed pre-diabetes, and he really worked hard to try to stem that tide. But you know, he is who he is. His body is what it is, and his A1C, is the way they measure, you know, your blood sugar and your control, is very good right now. And he's off all medication. But you know, he he, he works hard. But nobody is perfect, and he's probably going to have to go back on medication sometime down the road even if he does his best to maintain his weight and to exercise, it's, it's just very difficult that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that, that, I mean, I don't know how much you can speak to this and, and if you, this may not be in your area of expertise because you can't know everything <laughs> there is to know about diabetes, but we know from our research into, you know, living happier, longer and the, and the things that affect people as they age, that diabetes is one of those disease states that is associated with getting older. So I don't know if, you know, and that's, I'm sure that's more uh, type two diabetes that that's referring to, Mm -hmm. but it does uh, seem to be something that just like you said, your husband may have to go, you know, as he, as he gets older, he may have to, is that, is that something that you're familiar with? Is it, is it true that it is something that gets worse as you get older? It is what they call disease of progression. Mm-hmm. So it does get worse as you get older in many people. It, it, your, uh, your body may become more insulin resistant, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I definitely don't. I can't speak uh, to a medical level of expertise on it. But certainly even people with type 1 diabetes, there are certain things that, you know, after you've had it for a very long time that become more pronounced. Um, hypoglycemia unawareness, you know, not being able to feel when your blood sugar is going low is something that people who live with diabetes for a long time mm-hmm. may find that they have. And, you know, one of the things that really helps, I've seen, and it certainly has helped me, but I've seen help a lot of people uh, as they get longer into this disease or even are diagnosed at older ages is community. And I'm sure you talk about this a lot, but yeah. the diabetes community is a really incredible resource that um, I think your listeners can take advantage of. I mean, I'll just give you one example. There's a group called Diabetes Sisters, and they have meetups around the country. They do virtual meetups as well, but they're a group for women, mm-hmm. any type of diabetes, and they do a wonderful job of helping with information and, you know, just being there and, you know, having a community as we get older is something that really 
leads to better health outcomes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see that across, you know, whether it's, uh, yeah, you know, in, in diabetes all, or anything. Yeah, all, all, all parts of life, you know, but it's especially so when you've got these very distinct issues, problems, whatever. Mm-hmm. If it's something that you can all identify with, it's, it's certainly super important. Yeah. And, and in your, and in your aging process, you know, that's a part of just keeping that connection and, and getting more and more support too. So um, we kind of got off, off onto other tangents, but <laughs> you, you, your son was diagnosed and you're a busy working mom at that time, both, both you and your husband, I think working full time. So what then inspired you to start Diabetes Connections and your podcast and, and just really becoming an advocate for diabetes awareness? Well, once I got back to work about a week after my son was diagnosed, uh, we were very fortunate that somebody at the daycare where he was and my daughter was also um, agreed to help uh, take care of him, to be trained. Um, so we were very fortunate. It was, a, it was bumpy all around as we were trained how to give shots and do all of that. It was a very scary time. But um, I went back to work and I worked at a radio station. I worked at uh, the news, weather and traffic station here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and did the morning show. So I was out of my house at you know 2.30 in the morning doing morning show. And it wasn't the kind of show where we talked about our personal lives a lot. Mm-hmm. But my listeners knew that I had been out of work. Um, social media in late 2006, 2007 really wasn't what it is now. You know, I was getting a lot of email from people who um, were very supportive. In fact, I got a bunch of email from people in the Charlotte community who live with type one and said, don't, don't limit your son. Don't worry about him. He's going to be great. I'm a firefighter. I'm a banker. I'm a, you know, I live with type one and you know, my mother worried more than I did. And it was wonderful. So I started a blog at that time, about a month later mm-hmm. to share our experiences. And I blogged for several years then I started uh, being contacted by people to come and speak at diabetes conferences and share our experiences. And, and Benny, my son, liked talking about his experiences as well. And when I left the radio station a few years ago, I just, and I, it was really just the hours. Um, I know you're familiar with radio. Yep. <laughs> it was just brutal. And after 13 years of getting up at 2.30 in the morning, my kids were in middle school. My older child was in middle school. I couldn't do it anymore. So I left and I started the podcast, Diabetes Connections, because I really felt that there was a place in the type one community for a news show. I like to say it's, I try to be fresh air for type one. So, you know, we're doing interviews, we're, we're doing um, conversations, and we're really trying to get the word out in the community about what's new, what's next, inspiring interviews, that sort of thing. And I started it almost selfishly because it's the show I wanted to hear. I wanted to talk to all these great people mm-hmm. and I wanted to ask them the questions I wanted to ask them. So it, it really has turned into a wonderful project for me. Uh, it's actually the most rewarding project of my professional career. I think nice. and just what I'm, yeah, what I get out of it every week, just what I've learned to help my family and, uh, and I hope it's helping the community. Yeah. So I have to just say this, I'm sitting here thinking, listening to you, you don't sound like you're from Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you, was that? <laughs> well, here's the secret, nobody in Charlotte sounds like they're from Charlotte. <laughs> no, I'm originally from New York, 
I grew up <laughs> there, yeah, I was going to say, there's a little bit of a Northeastern accent there. So <laughs> that must be, a, they must like you down there in Charlotte because you're a Northerner. Just, just kidding. But, uh, um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about your podcast and about, you know, finding those inspiring stories. Think of one or a couple or just give us something that you, you know, something that was like so much fun to somebody that was so oh. much fun to talk to. And there are so you, many. Oh. I will tell you, there were two episodes that I was so nervous, and I don't get that nervous for interviews anymore. You know, I love talking to healthcare companies, and I like really saying, like, well, you know, get into the nitty gritty of what's coming out, or, you know, we'll talk to Lily about the price of insulin, and I can answer all those hard questions. But the hardest interviews I did were, um, I talked to Victor Garber, who is a very well-known actor. Um, mm-hmm. You'd know him if you saw him. You know, he's, yeah. he's been in Titanic, he's in the, right, he's on, um, a, a DC show right now. He was just on Hello Dolly was on Broadway in, with yeah. Um, was he in Alias as with well? Midler. Yes, he was on Alias. Yeah, he was yeah. on Alias. He's been in everything. He pops up mm-hmm. all the time. So he has type one diabetes, and I was able to interview him, and I adore him. I just think he's such a great actor, and I didn't realize he lived with type one until not that long ago, about a year before I interviewed him. Hmm. And I was so nervous to talk to him, but he was wonderful. <laughs> really just shared a lot about his life and experiences and talking about um, he was in a production of uh, it, it, it was a production in, in Canada many years ago where um, he was with Martin Short and all these people from Saturday Night Live and, and Second City and you know, just a very famous cast and he was telling stories about how they would kind of take care of him um, mm-hmm. and his diabetes he'd like little honey pots all over the stage in case he got low you know that sort of thing it was really fun um, and of course, I'm always nervous not being in a radio studio anymore that everything's recording. That's the secret <laughs> podcast. I'm like, oh, I'm here by myself, help. Um, but everything went well, knock on wood. The other interview that really got me nervous was when Benny celebrated his 10-year, we call it diversary, his diabetes anniversary. <laughs> when he marked 10 years, um, I interviewed my whole family. So I talked to my husband, my daughter, and my son. Mm-hmm. And that was very odd for me because we talk about diabetes, but honestly, it's not front and center in our lives anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are days when it's front and center, yes. but for the most part, we're very fortunate in the background. So talking to them um, was very emotional, especially mm-hmm. my daughter who doesn't have diabetes. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, that was a, a really interesting episode for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure at five she was probably it was probably a little scary. And then as she's gotten older, she's probably wondered, am I going to get diabetes too? You know, it's an interesting question. Um, she was a super helper at okay. five, right? She mm-hmm. was very worried about her brother. And then she was like, we're going to, I'm going to help. And, you know, I'd have him in the car seat and she'd give him a juice box if he needed it. You know, she tested his blood sugar one time while I was driving because I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't want to pull over. I mean, it was, she was great. But as she got older, we kind of made this decision that, you know, he wasn't going to be her responsibility. Yeah. So I never taught her to do shots or use his insulin pump. You know, when we would leave them home alone as they got older, mm-hmm. he had to be able to take care of himself. Obviously, she was there to help if he needed anything. But we never discussed, could she get type 1? That was not something that That's good. I particularly worried about. I know it's, it is a big concern because your risk does go up if you have a sibling. Yeah. Your risk actually goes up more if you have an older sibling. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I just felt that, you know, we'll cross that bridge if it comes to it. Mm-hmm. So if I interview her again, I have to ask her because that hasn't come up much if she's worried about it. I'm not, she's never articulated yeah. that. And how, how old is she now? She just turned 17. She's a senior in high okay. school. Okay. 
at least she'll be well prepared, I think, if she ever has to face this. Anybody in your family would be well, well versed in how to take care of themselves. So that's awesome. In looking at when we were talking about a little bit about how diabetes um, awareness and, and especially for an aging population and for people like, you know, that, that we're talking to, I noticed that you had talked to, I think his name's Dennis Goldensone. Is that right? Oh, Dennis Goldensone. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he's turning 65 and he has lived with type one di- diabetes his whole life. And then some of the things that he was facing with Medicare, and I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, that's it. We actually, I was part of a group that tried to get a presentation at a major conference this year about baby boomers living with type one mm-hmm. and um, wasn't accepted this year, but we're hoping for, to try again for next year because that is an, just an amazingly complicated situation. So Dennis was 66 and he came mm-hmm. on the show to talk about his first year with Medicare mm-hmm. and what a change it was because when you live with diabetes, um, certainly there are basic expenses that can add up mm-hmm. to large sums of money you're talking about. Okay, yeah. if you're insulin dependent, you need insulin. Yeah. You may need more than one type of insulin. Mm-hmm. Most people with type one use, if they don't use an insulin pump, they use a long acting and a short acting if they're doing mm-hmm. injections. Um, then you need test strips. You need your meter. You may need a ketone uh, you know, measurement of some kind. You can have a, a blood ketone meter. You can use urine strips. Um, you may need an insulin pump, if that's what you use, and a continuous glucose monitor, which is a newer technology that has changed the lives. This is a, a huge advancement we haven't even talked about in, in diabetes. And I think that people with type 2 um, are going to be using this more and more. They're really putting it um, out there for most people, I think, who are insulin dependent with diabetes will be using this as a standard of care in the next 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. And a continuous glucose monitor briefly measures your interstitial fluid. It measures mm-hmm. right under your skin. Yeah. It's not a blood glucose value, but it is very close and very good. And if you don't want to poke your finger, yeah. it is a way that you can put this on and keep it on for 7, 10, 14 days. There are different kinds out there. So Dennis came on to talk about, well, I was paying for all this stuff and my insurance covered it. And then I went on Medicare and this wasn't covered and that wasn't covered. And I had to figure out how to get this covered. And it's so different. So it was really an interest, an interesting conversation from where I was sitting, but a devastating one for some people. Yeah. My brother-in-law who is 65, 60, just turned 66 and he has uh, type one diabetes and has had it since he was in high school. So, and I'm sure that he's facing the same challenge. Um, you know, that is something that we are very cognizant of just in terms of the aging population, the baby boomers, are turning 65 at the rate of 10,000 per day. And we'll keep on doing so right up until the year 2030. So just think about that in terms of each and every one of those, those baby boomers that is suffering or that has been living with type one diabetes for a long time and, and all their medication. Think about that implication, you know, of what that, not many people. Think about it. You know, let's think about it this way too. The CGM is a perfect example. Because when the, um, it took a, a while for a continuous glucose monitor to be approved on Medicare. And then there are, there's one I'm, I'm thinking of where I'm looking at my phone as we're talking because my son for the last three, three and a half years now, he wears this. I can see his blood sugar on my cell phone mm-hmm. and it will alarm if it goes too high or too low, if we set the range. And this is a fantastic tool 
for worried parents like me, mm-hmm. but for people who live alone, older yeah. people who may yeah. live alone and older people with type one or type two who may be unaware, they don't feel those lows anymore who have hypoglycemic unawareness. So you take someone like Dennis, who perhaps had used a CGM for several years, then he turns 65, it's not covered. So yeah. it may be saving money in the short run, but if his health is affected and he winds up in the hospital, mm-hmm. then everybody paid more. Right. So yeah. this is the debate that's going on right now. So that CGM has been approved. The sharing function of the cell phone was approved later. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You know, and now there's a newer one and they're debating how to approve that. So every time there's a new technology advancement, everybody gets excited, but then people on Medicare kind of have yeah. to wait and see if they're gonna yeah, be covered. Like a whole I mean, other process. Oh, as you say, there's so many baby boomers that they're weighing the cost, and I know the initial feeling is, well, I don't want to pay for that out of my taxes. But when you think it through, these people are living better, healthier, saving money mm-hmm, by yeah. using these tools. Well, the it, just like you said, it, you know, it's a disease progression, right? So if you're actively monitoring and able to control yeah. disease earlier, then you will be avoiding higher medical bills later. That's, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, jurisprudence, it's, like, it's but, like with anything, prevention is better than cure. Yeah. You can stop, stop the worst happen and then you know, you're carrying along and, and it's all good. But yeah, as soon as you fall off that cliff, then it's, there's a whole lot else has to come behind it. So mm-hmm. stuff. So, talk to us a little bit about what right now in terms of what are those new, you know, new things, new advances, new discussions that are happening around diabetes. I know you have an app coming out soon. That's going to be something that I know you're excited about. Tell us about that, but just talk to us a little bit about what's going on right now in the diabetes community. Sure. Um, Well, my app is about as low tech as you can get. It's about bringing people together in real life because I have found that my in-person meetings with people in the diabetes community have helped me enormously. And believe it or not, studies show that when people meet in this community and share information and see and learn together, they get better health outcomes. So Club 1921 is launching this month. 1921 is the year insulin was discovered. And it is for any type of diabetes, any event in the United States. So I'll give you all the information if you want to share more yep, about absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll put that in our show notes. Yeah, if you're looking for an event, type 1, type 2, gestational, there's a type of diabetes called LADA, which is a, a latent adult onset, which kind of mimics type 2 for a while, but then becomes more like type 1. That's actually the one that a lot of your listeners as older adults need to look out for and ask their doctors about. It's called LADA or type 1.5. I know it sounds kind of kooky, but it's a real thing. Wow. Okay. I've hmm. never, yeah, never, ever heard of, heard of it. So yeah. type 1.5. Interesting. Often misdiagnosed as type 2 but progresses um, along the path like type one. There've been more, there's more and more studies recently about it that are showing that, you know, a lot of people have to be shown this is a real thing and that it is its own thing. It's not like, um, like the other types. And these are things that I've learned by going to these in-person events. You know, I remember when my son was teeny tiny, we went to a local event, JDRF, which is, you know, leading research, funder of research for type one. They had a fun event at our hockey uh, team here in Charlotte and lots of families and young kids were there and we saw a three-year-old with an insulin pump we were thinking about getting one for my son but I was like oh really reluctant to put it on my toddler and his dad said Evan show him your pump show him where it goes and he lifted up his shirt and he showed us the site and 
And it made it so much easier just to see it in real life on a little yeah. kid. And my son could be like, oh, you don't have to take shots. That's your, like yeah. once every three days, you just do that. And oh, so it was really cool. I will say technology wise, what, what is very exciting in our, in our lives personally right now is that the CGM that I mentioned, the continuous mm -hmm. glucose monitor and the insulin pump are finally talking to each other. So mm -hmm. after all this time, we just, uh, we use a pump that is, the brand name is Tandem. So the, the Tandem pump and the Dexcom CGM talk to each other. So when my son's blood sugar gets below 80, it cuts off the insulin. Okay. There's this really wild algorithm and it just cuts it off until he's back to 81. Mm -hmm. And then it slowly comes back and, and brings him steady. And I was concerned because you cut off the insulin, then it's going to be really high or there's going to be stuck. It's smooth. It's really wild. And next year, they're going to have the same algorithm in the same pump and, and CGM setup that lowers your blood sugar. So if you hit, I don't know, 180, or I'm not quite sure what the high threshold will be set at. Yeah. It'll give you more insulin and bring it down. So I've heard spectacular things about that. So that's kind of the artificial pancreas that's mm -hmm. a big talk in our right now. So that's, we've got part one of that that we've been using for about two months and it is extraordinary. Probably in 12 years, it's the one thing that has, I, I say it's less work for better results. Yeah. It's pretty wild. That's amazing. That's incredible. And the whole idea of being able to monitor someone at a distance, like having that kind of information on your cell phone. Yeah. Think about that just in terms of, I mean, yes, as a, as a parent and, you know, for us, I mean, I think we've, you know, our kids are off at college. So that mm -hmm. if that were in our lives, I'm sure, and people that are listening to us, our audience um, have, you know, empty nesters, kids that may have. So that's clearly something that is a mm -hmm. huge benefit to them. But for the older population, I mean, how nice if you had, a, you know, an older parent or grandparent or yourself, if you were living by yourself, knowing that someone else, you know, or yeah, knowing that somebody could, yeah, could have that information. An eye on it. Yeah. It, it is really nice. I mean, even the basic ability to know what your blood sugar is around the clock yourself mm -hmm. and know what direction it's going in. And that's, I didn't mention, that's another thing that the CGM will do for you is it'll say you're 115 going down quickly. So you might look at a 115 yeah. on your blood sugar meter and think, great number, I'm going to bed. But right. if yeah. Jim tells you you're dropping, you can treat that mm -hmm. and head it off. Or I'm 92, but I'm going double arrows up, which means, you know, I'm going to be 200 within 10 minutes. It'll, it really gives you a better idea without poking your finger 400 times a day. Right. So yeah. you get that information yourself. And then, as you said, if you've got a caregiver, whatever your age is, it is invaluable. So that's been a huge advance. So there are different kinds of CGMs. Um, there, there are different brands. Mm-hmm. Well, wow, because I got to say, like, I'm like the biggest baby in the world. I would rather have, I would, I am, I'd rather have blood drawn out of my arm than then have, your than, finger. yeah, than prick my finger, honestly. Well, you know, I think a so lot I of people, I know a few people with type two who don't check their blood sugar, you know, because of that, they're, they're afraid it's unpleasant, it's inconvenient, they're in public or they're home and they just don't want to do it, it's inconvenient. And that's legitimate, right? I mean, their doctor may yell at them or they may even not even want to go to the doctor because they haven't checked in a month. Oh, that's just, that's that just that not good. I'd rather go here, take, you know, stick my vein. I'd rather donate blood than do this. So if you can find a way around that with a continuous glucose monitor, 
that I think is really going to be a sea change for people with type two. Even if they don't want to look at it, let's say you're type two and you don't have to really worry about it day by day. You're not in danger of going low or, um, or, or really having very, very dangerous highs, but maybe your doctor wants to monitor you for a month. You put one of these things on, you don't even look at it. Yeah. And then your doctor can download the numbers after a yeah. month. But That's... also you've got that, even if you're not looking at, at it, it can alert you if you are getting dangerously high or low. So it's not that you're having to... Trust me, my 13-year-old is not looking at his blood sugar all day long. Yeah. He's had a, a DM for almost five years. And unless it beeps at him, he is ignoring it. And that's yeah. perfectly normal behavior for him. He's right. an eighth grader. He doesn't have to worry about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really awesome. It's really good. This is great. I've learned a ton. <laughs> 1.5. That's really interesting yeah. as well. Yeah. So if people want to learn more about you and about Diabetes Connections, where can they find you? Thank you for asking. I'd say the best mm -hmm. place to start is diabetes-connections.com. Mm -hmm. uh, the app, Club 1921, will be strictly for events. There's not a lot of chit-chat and personal stuff there. But um, we do the podcast every Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Lots of information on the website and I have lots of information on social media as well. And I do have a closed Facebook group okay. for um, people who listen to the podcast. If anybody wants to join and that is Diabetes Connections, the group. Awesome. Okay. We will put links to all of that in our show notes as well. Stacy, it has just been so much fun to talk with you and learn more about diabetes. And I hope that we can help spread the word for people learning more about mm -hmm. diabetes, learning how to connect with other people who might have diabetes and, and just help get the word out for you in terms of Club 1921 so that we can maybe eventually find a cure, right? Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Well, yeah. Thank you both so much for the opportunity. It's, it's a thrill to, you know, this Diabetes Awareness Month, I really try to get the word out outside the diabetes community. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, it's one thing to try to educate within, but I always think in November, it's a great opportunity to let people know who maybe didn't even think about it. So thank you so much for this opportunity. Yeah. I really appreciate it. And I just have to give a, a quick plug to my sister. She ran the Dublin Marathon, I think it was two weekends ago. And it was JDRF that she ran it for. That was her chosen oh. charity this year. Yeah. So, so you both have connections to diabetes. We do. We do. Yeah. Somehow. That's fantastic. Please tell her thank you. I love it. Thank you. Well, thanks so much. And if you need more information on diabetes, this is a great place to start. Diabetesconnections.com and Stacy's wonderful podcast. And hopefully one day soon there will be a cure. And in the meantime, take care of yourself. Thanks, Stacey. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Live Happier Longer podcast. Now it's time to move, learn, share, give, and let go. Five daily actions to make the rest of your life the best of your life. See you next week. <laughs>